Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Are you wondering what social-emotional learning looks like in the classrooms of today? Are you thinking, what can I do for my students or my children? to help them become connected within themselves and others. Well, in today's episode of Student Success Beyond Expectations, we bring you an extremely inspirational and motivational individual. Her name is Dr. Nicolette James. Dr. James has created so many wonderful resources and she offers them through her Empowered Education business. But even more over than that, she has a love for children and a love for adults. She is an administrator and she's also an educator on the secondary level. She brings us today her expertise on how to connect with students and what it is that we should be looking for within students. So welcome, Dr. James. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you this evening. It is an honor and a pleasure to join you in talking about this particular topic because it is something that I'm really passionate about. Can you tell us what made you turn on to social emotional learning? And for the listeners who are not quite sure what that is, we might refer to it also as SEL for social emotional learning. So what has brought you to where you are now? Okay, so um, I think my my genesis goes way back. I think from the time I, I started working with children that the students that I worked with first as a camp counselor, as a young, you know, as a younger Nicolette, that's where I started, you know, working in the summer jobs as a camp counselor. And then from there working in other volunteer programs with children. And I found that it was so much easier to get them to learn whatever it was that I was attempting to teach them once I was able to actually connect with them on a person to person level instead of just teaching as from a teacher to student level. And at the time, I did not have any awareness or um, the language of social emotional learning to say, oh, well, this is what that was. But I came to know much later that this is what that was. And by then I had already gotten very deep into um, attempting to reach students that way and to develop students on a more social, emotional, and now even mental level so that they would be able to perform academically. Can you tell us or give us some examples, or maybe there's even a story that pops into your mind of what does it look like when you say that you are interacting with your students on a person-to-person level rather than a teacher to student level. What's the difference there? Okay, well, honestly, the difference can be very subtle, but I find that students can recognize that subtle difference. So as a student to a teacher, 
level where there's no social emotional um, connection, you would simply start teaching. So let's say my subject was, was math or science or social studies. My subject is English, but let's just say it, it would be any subject. I would start with the content right away. So today, first day of school today, this is the content. Let's start in, you know, 1459 or whatever it is that I'm, you know, this is today's formula and I'm launching right into that as opposed to connecting with the students. This year in particular gave us such a unique opportunity to connect with students before attempting to teach content by simply asking, how are you? How have you been? And really meaning it, not in the perfunctory way that we usually say, hey, how are you doing? You know, and now let's, you know, get onto it. But really, how are you? And how have you been? And what was your experience like during the um, quarantine time? You know, what do you, how do you feel about returning to school? What are some of your fears? What are some of your things that you're excited about? And then how might that translate into what we do here in the classroom? So when you think about social emotional learning, you know, many things come to mind and, and many of them can be correct or incorrect ways of thinking about it. But sometimes the simplest way to think about something is the best way. And one of the simplest ways to, to, to tap into what social emotional learning is, is that human connection, you know, really trying to form a human connection with the students because ultimately students are human beings. And when we see them through that light, they also see us through that light. And that is helpful for now coming to the student uh, teacher relationship because then we have we have something in common. We're on an even footing. It's not that I'm I'm the teacher and you're the student. I'm a human and you're a human, and we need to connect in order for me to share what I have to share with you, which is this awesome knowledge information that I have, and for you to share with me because students don't come to us as empty vessels. They bring a lot of experience, no matter how old they are. They're bringing their experience thus far, and they can always turn us on to um, something new and different that we hadn't thought of or hadn't looked at in the same way. So it works both ways. So are you seeing now as an administrator even that educators and maybe some of the parents that you've been interacting with mm -hmm. have a more empathic or sensitive way of interacting with students? I am seeing that. And, um, and that's really good. I know some schools have really taken a proactive approach to uh, managing and addressing all of the, the student needs. Uh, parents are definitely on board in terms of how to support their kids. The schools have, have joined hand in hand with helping parents in looking um, for signs of, of um, any type of trauma and even moving away from the trauma because not everyone had a, a traumatic experience, but just being able to tap into, again, the human side of students and to be able to just look beyond their academic performance because ultimately, there are other there are other roles and experiences impact their academic performance and ability to to be successful in school. So I definitely see more of um, an attempt for administrators and for the community parents and so forth, teachers and educators to come together to support students in that way. And from what I hear and what I see, what I know really is that students are having more of a tough time behaviorally ever now. <clears throat> much more than even last year. Mm -hmm. You know, last year class sizes weren't, they went back into session, were a lot smaller. Right. Now school's full and in session. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of negative language, a lot mm -hmm. of cursing, a lot of aggression going on right now. Mm -hmm. And 
how do you find that social emotional strategies and awareness can help with children um, or students who are really struggling behaviorally? Okay, well, um, that's a great question. And I too have, have witnessed the same things. I mean, even if you look at just in general, you know, um, everyone, people from children to adults, you know, we, we all need to find strategies to deal with a lot of the, the pent up stress and frustrations and, and anger and all of those emotions that we usually have various outlets for, you know, pre-pandemic, pre-quarantine and so forth. This has been almost two years now that folks have been, you know, inside, uh, in many ways, inside, you know, and now people are starting to let loose, you know, and some of those behaviors may not necessarily be positive. And I think that's where we come in as educators, because we have this wonderful opportunity to, to share these strategies with students and to, to socialize them once again. But first, keeping in mind that they haven't been. I was speaking to a few of my colleagues uh, this week, and we were talking about the fact that many of our ninth graders, if you take it grade by grade, many of our ninth graders haven't been really in school since seventh grade. Yes. So much learning and growing developmentally happens between that time. And it's almost like they've been um, stunted, if you will. You know, of course, there's been some, some growth, but it definitely has not been the same because when you are around your peers, physically in school, around your teachers and so forth all day, it's way different from the experience that you would have simply being online. And, it, and then throwing in any disruptions that you would have with technology and the remote instruction and so forth, that's a lot of socialization that did not take place. You know, then you have the, the, the other variable of, of kids today, I would have to say, who are uh, tend to be more inside than kids who used to go outside and play together. Because that's one aspect of socialization that isn't there that school provided, you know? And so without that, the kids, again, our ninth graders, seventh grade is about their last you know, time being in school. Same thing, we're thinking about our seniors now. And it's like, wow, they haven't been in school since 10th grade. Again, such a major, a major chunk of developmental time that they haven't been around. So quite honestly, they don't know how to act. <laughs> they don't know how to act right. in a school, you know? And so we have to, it is, it is our job. It is our charge to reacclimate them to that, to socialize them, to give them the opportunity to learn those skills again, you know? And, um, and I have my, my own students who I'm working with on doing those things. And they even have to say, wow, you know, I haven't done this in so long, you know, and many of them had fears around that, a lot of anxiety around going back to school. High school is, is an anxiety ridden experience, you know, for some students, for most of us, you know, growing up, it's a, there's a lot of, of finding out about yourself, finding out, you know, what peer group you, you want to uh, fit into or where you want to be or where you want to stand out. And so much of that hasn't happened. And so they're doing that now. And we have to be we have to be aware of that. We also have to have the, the patience to deal with that because um, it can be very frustrating because it's like, come on kids, let's get it together. You know, there's a lot to, to learn. There's a lot that you missed and we need to catch up, but we have to take a step back. And, and everyone has sort of been repeating the word grace, you know, but we really need to internalize what that means. We really have to give students, give ourselves, give each other the grace to, to recognize that it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take some time to, um, to sort of get everyone back into, into the group. And for parents too. They, mm, absolutely. They're, they're, right, their whole world has changed again. And now they need to support their children in ways maybe they didn't anticipate. So how do you right. think, or do you have any advice for parents 
when we're speaking of like that ninth grader who's really maybe acting more like a seventh grader. Mm-hmm. What kind of advice do you have for them? Oh, well, same thing. I would say for, for parents, it's it's really frustrating too. And um, and again, they have to also. Uh, and I know sometimes, you know, it, it's hard as a parent because you want the best for your child. You know, you want them to 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 excel. You want them to achieve. You want everything to to be to be smooth for them. You know, but you also have to sometimes step back, and you know, you want to you want to 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 support them by by checking on them. Um, making sure that everything is going in the way that that it should but then you also want to be able to find a balance of of checking but not um not hovering but then you want to make sure that because of that that gap because of that gap a student who is in the ninth grade but may be a little bit more uh irresponsible because they haven't been in school consistently you would need to check on him or her a little bit more so maybe you would think well you know this um my child is old enough to take care of certain things themselves, but then you have to remember, yes, they are, but they haven't really been doing so in the same way for some time now. So they're going to need a little bit of time to get back into those routines, just like we got out of our routines as adults and we needed some time and still probably need some time to get back into those routines. And again, we have to afford the same grace to, to the kids and parents should also do that and sort of make it like a, um, a team effort. We can sit down together, map out our schedules at the um, at the end of the weekend. You know, what are we going to do this week? Let's pack our things. So as I meal prep for the week, um, I'm having my child right there. You know, get their things ready for the week. So doing things together to support each other, and also just like I said, trying to to create that balance of responsibility, but then releasing the responsibility. Now, wonder what the graduating twelfth graders now how they're going to experience college if so many kids want to go away. And if we're talking about that delay, you know, they're in their mind, I'm good, I'm good, I got this. And now they're very far away and they've missed a lot of that time. What's your opinion on that? What do you think? Okay, and uh, it's, that's like another great question. And that brings up another another um, aspect of social emotional learning, which is the self-regulation piece, which, which you know, and you're an expert on that as well. And this is the time to really kind of um, to, to sink our teeth into sharing strategies on self-regulation with students. So right now I have juniors, but this is a critical year for them. So they're not, they're not yet um, seniors, but they're getting ready. And so they need to start building those skills and strategies now so that they will be in place by the time they're ready to go to college. Because again, these are the same students who really haven't been in school fully since the ninth grade, mid ninth grade year. So they need to start you know, using their, their, their planners, planning their time, self-management, becoming more self-aware of their peak times when they're high energy, when they're low energy, when they can complete a task by starting it early and then revisiting and so forth, all of all of those those self-regulation skills that they need in order to eventually live and be more independent when they get to college. The same thing for the seniors. The seniors have a shorter learning um, opportunity because they're seniors right now and they're looking to to graduate soon. But we still need to impress upon them that that responsibility and that sense of uh, making good decisions and and other things along those lines. And we can do that again in tandem with the support of their parents as well. And, you know, it was funny the way that you and I met, we belong to the same uh, committee and group all about social emotional learning. And when we connected, 
Uh, it was because you had mentioned that you have a student planner. So, mm -hmm. Student planner, I wonder what that is. Boy, oh boy, did I underestimate that. I'm like, sure, I'm sorry I wasn't able to meet at that last meeting. However, can you just send me the link? <laughs> You're like, link, there's no link. I'll send you one in the mail. <laughs> and so <clears throat> here is what I received, which if any of my listeners know anything about me, it's I always say with my clients and my students, I can and I will. And once I saw that, I was like, we, we need to meet. We need to get to know one another. And I love the way she says, watch me. It's like, so I find that completely empowering, it makes a statement, you know, um, it, I feel like it makes, it takes ownership when you say it and you believe it. I'm always one to say with affirmations, like I can and I will. My kids always say, when my students always say, I will use my tools because they have the strategies. But in here are all the strategies. This is a tool. Mm -hmm. And I opened it up the second I, I got it. And I was like, oh, I can and I will. And I got to tell you, if you're listening to this on um, Apple or anywhere else other than YouTube, so you can't see us, mm -hmm. you need to either click one of those links mm -hmm. that I'm going to add to the description, or you need to check this out on YouTube and come visit us here mm -hmm. because it is quite the tool to support exactly what Nicolette is saying. And it says system for success. And it really organizes the thought process, the self-regulation, managing your thoughts, feelings, and actions. Action. That's what our kids need now. Right. Whether you're a parent listening, whether you're an educator, this is a tremendous tool that not only organizes the agenda really doesn't just organize from day-to-day -day assignments, but it's check-ins. And I'm going to have Nicolette talk to us a little bit about why did you create this? What was your motivation? And uh, just talk to us about, about your whole planner you have here. Okay. All right. So much to say. I'm not even sure where to start with this one, but, um, but okay. So, so one of, one of the things that, that I repeat all the time, and you can ask any of my students, like, what are some of the things that I say all the time is that successful students don't stumble upon success. They plan for it. And that, that is our mantra that you have to plan for what you want to see happen because then Anything will happen if you don't plan for it. And so the, the, the birth of the planner sort of came from that idea. I'm a very planned person, I, I think to a fault, because I'm, I'm not very spontaneous. You know, even if I'm going to do something fun, it sort of has to be planned, you know? <laughs> so, so, so it was very natural for me to then take the idea of planning and to sort of concretize it into a planner. And as a, as a person who is very planned and always, you know, trying to find like the perfect organizational system, I was always looking around for like various planners. I would buy one and then use it for a little while. I'm like, mm, this one, not so much. And now this one, not so much, you know, and so forth. And I'm like, well, you know what? If I put this together and then did this and did this, this would be perfect. And so, and then that's how I decided to um, put a planner together that would incorporate all of the little mini lessons, if you will, and the different activities that I did with my students. And that's what's in the planner. So every week I would check in with my students. 
And as I said, a simple, how are you? A, a genuine, how are you? I would check in with them and really, really expect an answer. Like they know when I ask how, how, how are you? That it isn't just, you know, you can, you can't just give me a fine, you know, I'm okay, good. You know, <laughs> something like that. I'm really It's not going to cut it. You know who right. you're talking to, right? Yeah. I'm right. Dr. James here. Give me more. <laughs> exactly. So, so I was like, okay, so how can I build this in? So that students will know that, you know, how they are is really important, you know, because that is the foundation for what you will do. How we are is the foundation for how we will do. So how are you feeling today? It's important to acknowledge that because then if you aren't feeling well, if something isn't okay, there's someone you can talk to. But the first step is acknowledging how you feel because then that will determine, well, do you wanna share that? And even if it's positive or negative, if you're happy, you wanna tell somebody about it. If you're, if you're feeling great, tell me why, what's, what's happened? You know, what was, you know, what's going on? If you're not, then maybe you wanna to talk to me about it or talk to someone who might be able to support you. So that made its way into the planner. I am big on goal setting. I developed a, an entire course, an, an online digital course around goal setting. So I put that in the planner as well. So every week, as part of our reflective practice, I believe that um, reflection is very important. You have to think back before you can act forward. So you look at what you've done already, and then you think about, well, okay, what did I do well? You celebrate those successes. And then you think about, okay, what maybe I can do a little bit better in this area. But again, before you can improve, you have to inspect, you have to look at what it is so that you can say, this is how I wanna move forward. So as part of the looking back, you look over your week, what are your weekly wins? You note those. And then we want to set goals and intentions for the following week. So that made it into the planner as well. And then um, a couple other sections looking at the, the whole self. So my entire practice is based on holistic wellness because I believe we should not only focus on any one particular aspect of ourselves because we are whole people and we are striving to, to live with integrity. And that is what integrity means, to be whole. And so we should address our entire self. So as students, students uh, are in sports and clubs, they're in class, they have um, their home life as well. All of those are different places that they, that they exist. And so part of our reflective practice is looking at some of those different areas and also assessing, you know, how are you doing in this, in this realm of your life? How do you want to improve? How do you want to grow? So that's in there as well. And then of course, because they are students and they are looking to be successful academically, there's the big academic um, part of, well, when do you have to get this work done? And so I share with them my six step planner process. And um, that's another story for another time, but that's built in. I share with them how to, how to use a planner effectively, because as you know, as an educator, like many schools have purchased and give out planners to, to students and to here's one, you know, but don't necessarily teach them how to use it effectively. So I take my students through how to use a planner effectively, how to get, how to get things done. Uh, similar to, to the get things done uh, practice, but I have my own, we share that. And so that's in there. A big part of my dissertation was on um, effective study practices and social emotional learning. So that made its way into there as well. And part of it is having students select 
one of the effective study strategies that they will focus on for the week and then implementing that strategy so that they aren't just all over the place thinking that they're studying when they really aren't. Because that was another thing that I found that students believe, they truly believe that they are studying, but, um, but in fact, they're not. They're just like looking over the textbook or looking over their notes or something like that, but they don't truly know how to study. So I teach my kids the effective study practices, and then they, they have that reiterated um, in the planner as a, a choice that they make for the strategy that they will use. So the, the planner is chock full with all of these different strategies that, that I expect students to hopefully internalize over time in order to you know, become more effective uh, students and adults. And really, this is something for any student However, we were just talking about those uh, 12th graders who are going to be graduating. For anyone who's interested um, in helping their students or helping their own child, this is a really great tool to help your child be organized, raise his or her self-awareness. Am I studying? Am I making effective use of my time? And if I'm not, I had the strategies in here to get me back on track or to show me how to get back on track. And then you didn't just stop at the students, you just kept on going. Yeah. So can you tell us about what we have here, the Intentional Learner Academic Planner? Tell us about this one. Okay, so, so this one is actually uh, another version, another cover version of the student planner. But since you mentioned, since you mentioned, ah the other planner, which yes. actually came before the student planner. So I started with the teacher planner, the, the, the intentional educator planner is the one that started this because I truly believe that we bring who we are. We spoke about this before. We bring who we are to what we do. And as an educator, the best way for me to teach my students is to be a model for my students in the way that that I live and and I and I am around them. And so I truly believe that as educators that we show what we want the students to also exhibit. And they pick up students are very savvy. They may not pick up like what we want them to when I'm teaching you explicitly, but they'll pick up on other things that are going on around us and um and like I said they really know first of all when you really care about them and um and they really know when you care about Absolutely. what you yeah, what you're teaching them as well. And so it was my belief that as educators, that we would start with ourselves in these same self-care and self-awareness, self-development practices. So the intentional educator planner helps educators to do that. We do the same thing. We reflect, we, we plan, we do, we reflect, we plan, we do. And so that's a big part of the, the the educator planner as well. And at the end of every week, we also reflect on who we are as human beings and how well we are attending to our whole selves. And so we would look at all those various aspects of our lives too, and look at some areas where we might want to grow personally, um, spiritually, in our physical health, and so on and so forth. So all of that was incorporated into the educator planner. And then after, after some time, then it was like, okay, so now as the teacher grows, so to the, the student, and then the student um, planner came out after that one. Nicholas, in, in listening to you speak and hearing this as the big picture, it sounds like this would be also a very good planner and organizational tool for parents. I thought about that. I thought about that as well, but because so much of it is is 
is specific to education and uh, and what we do in the classroom, it would really have to be be tweaked a little bit to to be more parent friendly. All right. But I, yeah, but it's <laughs> ready for the, the teachers who are parents and the parents who are teachers. It's right. Ready to go. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned a little earlier um, about the the college students. I was so surprised of, um, at the number of college, they're now in college, former students of mine who have contacted me for copies of the planner. I really uh, didn't think that as, as college students, you know, that they would still want to have a planner that really held them to that level of accountability. So I was surprised, but they, but they do, but they do. And it has really been helpful. And, and they have said, so, you know, they text all the time. They tell me, you know, in uh, on social media that it's so helpful to still have the planner and to have the ideas behind it, especially now because they are on their own and they have to hold themselves accountable for, for their performance. Right. Which is all part of that big umbrella for the social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And you know, Nicola, you said something, you said something earlier that you felt like it was always in you when you were a counselor as a young person, and then you just became more and more and you grow more and more. And uh, but it sounded like this was something within you in terms of when I say something within you, I mean, being empathic, caring about what children are thinking, how they're feeling, how it relates to their ability to learn. Unfortunately, not every individual is built like that. So this whole world, this SEL world that now is being imposed on so many educators, now, you know, there are some out there that they just don't get it, not because they don't want to, but they just don't really understand the depth and significance of it. Do you have advice for that type of educator who wants what's best for their students, but they don't grasp the depth of SEO. Yes, actually, and 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 yes, I know this as an administrator. You know, I've worked with all various educators, and one thing that they all have in common, that we all have in common, is that we want the students to learn. We all want the students to learn, and if that is our ultimate end goal, we would all be willing to do or at least to try whatever would whatever research supports is going to help our students to learn. So if we can at least agree that that is the same goal, we all want the same thing, then at least we have a starting point. We have a starting point for our conversation. So for those educators out there who don't necessarily grasp um, the SEL or don't want to embrace it because now it's 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 one more thing added to an already full plate that we have um, of so many different uh, initiatives and programs and all of these different things that if when you when you strip away all of that if you if you forget about forget about the program right just think about the person that's the most yes that's the, the most important thing to think about forget the program remember the person that right now we are dealing with um, any number of little people these are you know little people that that we touch and will impact the trajectory of their lives through their interaction with us and if you think of social simply as that we we learn best in community if you think about emotion we learn best when we have positive emotions connected to that learning experience. So social 
emotional learning can simply be that until the, the individual, the teacher is ready for whatever else it can mean. So I love the way that you just broke that down for the listeners. You and I had decided we were on our own venture and our own little support system for our what we want for the adults that we work with and the students that we, we serve. Um, but I said, you know, you have a story here and we need to share it. And part of that message is really helping people to understand what social emotional learning is mm -hmm. so that when you come across Dr. James's resources and planners, or when you work with elementary school children and you say they need to self-regulate, let me check out some children's books. You know, it doesn't seem so overwhelming anymore. It seems like, oh, I'm so glad I've got the resources and tools now to make it happen because it can be that easy. Mm -hmm. Once you open yourself up to it and tell me if you agree what your thoughts are, I feel like it just falls into place and comes together. And then when you come across these resources, it's like, oh, this is perfect. Somebody did this. I love it. It's well thought out. And I'm glad to have it because now I can go launch and I can move along and it's going to help my students. Absolutely. I agree with everything that you just said. And I think because, because like most things, once they become um, sort of trendy, right, they lose a lot of the, the, the science behind them. And then it's just whatever people think, think it is. And the same has happened, unfortunately, with social emotional learning right now, yep. because, you know, it's being mentioned so much and people sort of have an idea that it's a um, sort of like, you know, warm and fuzzy, let's all sit around and sing, you know, Kumbaya, but it's, it's not, it really isn't. Not at there all. are, there are hard, if you want hard strategies, you know, that you can, and when I say hard, I mean like research backed, science backed strategies that you can implement that don't involve singing or holding hands at all. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. You can, but it's really not about that. <laughs> right, right. No, and I and I and I say this because I know this to be so. I've had numerous conversations with other educators who feel that that's what it is. They're like, I don't have time for this. You know, for this. Um, you know, SEL. Yeah. whatever and yeah and my and lesson the, 25 yes. minute lesson when i gotta, right. gotta squeeze that in my lesson plan here like exactly. where am i gonna put that thing <laughs> right right because they think that again that it's it's something else you know or or that you know it's um it's let's sit here and just talk about how you feel all period and so forth so i would really love to disabuse some of those myths so that teachers who tend to think just more lin linearly and logically would also know that there are um, strategies and practices and things that they can do that look nothing like that, but they are still social emotional learning strategies. So self-regulation strategies, all of those things that you're teaching students to do that will help them to be more productive and perform more effectively in your content area. And again, going back to that goal that we all have in common, which is what we want. That's what we want for them. And if you're one of those educators or even parents, but more so educators in this example, if you've been given training in a program and that program requires you maybe a daily lesson or whatnot, 
but you still feel like it's like another thing to do. You're really not understanding why is it such a big deal now? It was always nice to my students. We get along, we have a positive climate, we're good. What I would suggest is take a look, take a deep breath, because if you don't breathe, you're gonna feel overwhelmed. When you take that deep breath, see what the objectives are and see if they're reasonable. Because they really are usually very reasonable in terms of what you want the students to be able to walk away with, what skills you want them to learn and how they can problem solve, et cetera. Take a look at what those objectives are and see if you value them and if they could be used throughout your class every day. And if you can see that, wow, it would be helpful kids just thought like this all the time, then you can see having that, oh, I have to do this program. I've got to do this lesson. It's number 99. I got to get through it now. You know, you'll see it as skill building and it's not going to be so isolated. It's going to be, oh, let me scaffold on that. Elementary school teachers, you'll be walking down the hallway using some of those vocabulary words, using some of those same examples, but no longer in the classroom. When you drop them off to physical education or one of those special areas where it's less structured, that's where a lot of these skills can be practiced. And wouldn't it be great if there was no conflict when they came back to you uh, to class, but they were ready to learn. So if you approach it in a way of being, and as Dr. James has said, to take a look at the student as a whole, then it can make more sense to you as to why it's important. And then you're gonna wake up and say, why haven't we been doing this for so long? Or wait a second, you just took off with it, but you went to, to a, uh, a professional development and you're like, really? I kind of knew that now. I'm way beyond that. And so that's an exciting time too. And within your own growth. So what's on your mind? You want to say something? Right. I'm, I'm just agreeing with you because that's, that's, that's one way that it can happen. And then the other way that it can happen is that you can have that light bulb moment too, where you see, oh, wow. Just like, sort of like I was saying with my own story, like I've been doing this, like, this is what I'm doing. That's and right. it's such a validated and confirming feeling, you know, to know that, wow, okay. You know, so I've already been onto this and I just need to continue to do this. And here are some additional strategies that I can use along with what I've already been doing sort of intuitively that yes. would also help. And the same thing, one of the things that you said too, that, that I think is very important is for uh, educators and, and parents and community and all of the stakeholders to understand about social emotional learning is that these are the transferable skills that are so needed now. You know, we hear it, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it often enough now is that the, the, the kids who are in school right now, the students who are in school right now, they will have jobs that we cannot even imagine right now. Like we don't even know what those jobs are because they are the jobs of the future. And one of the things that will be there in the future always are other people. And when we know how to relate, when we know how to communicate, when we know how to build relationships with these other people, whatever the, the content is, you know, that will be learned. Whatever the application of the skill is that they need to learn for those jobs, that will be learned. But these skills that we're teaching them now are transferable, not only from my classroom, but to your classroom, to the, the other content area classrooms. So they all, they all strengthen and help 
one another. The stronger the kids become in learning overall, the better they can learn overall in all of the classes. So it's important because we each help each other in our content area at the secondary level, you know, where where you're separated by content. I know at the elementary level that you know you have all the students and all of the content areas, but we all support each other in growing that student as a person. And the better they are able to manage themselves, to regulate their emotions, to think about their, their internal talk that will help them be successful at every level that they're expected to climb is the better experience for all of us, for, for them as students, for us as educators. So it, it helps all of us to look into, to learn about, and to tap into a lot of these strategies and practices right now. And isn't that why we teach kids? Isn't that why we love and parent kids? It's so that way they grow up happy. If they don't know how to relate to other people, problem solve in a collaborative way, then at their workplace even, or within their own families, do you think they're gonna be happy if they can't problem solve, relate to other people, see their perceptions? No, they're gonna feel misunderstood. They're gonna feel confused. They're not gonna be thinking about what's my job I need to get done. So now the boss might not be so happy. Then that all adds into a climate that might not be so positive where they work when there's not a positive working climate or environment. Productivity is down, self-esteem is down. So although we're talking school-age children right now, we're talking long-term life skills through social emotional learning and using the tools that are readily available that make sense. And why does it make sense? I understand this and I get it. I always say that Nicolette and I have like this kinship. When we get together, it's like there are like fireworks. I don't know if you hear a rumble out there, it's because (laughs) Nicolette and I that we're talking, collaborating. (laughs) There's a lot going on because this is who we are. And it was before they had names, before mm-hmm. it became popular. So now I think what really happened was we really crystallized our skills, knowledge, and ability by looking at the research, bridging mm-hmm. that gap, because it takes about approximately like 20 years to mm-hmm. take research into education. But because we were that way, we we did that research, going to college, going to get your doctorate, did not teach us what we know. Researching what was important for our students and for us to know to be able to reach them, what was drove us. Then we created the resources to be able to build those skills. And that's why really reaching out and talking about social emotional learning in such an organic way, I feel like our listeners are going to get it. They're going to understand it in a way that's not textbook, then a way that's so much more meaningful. What do you think? Get get those fireworks going, Nicolette. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you, Lisa. And (laughs) I'm laughing. You said the the fireworks and the (laughs) going on because we're collaborating. No, but it, it is so true because just like you said, you know, you, you came to this much the same way inside. You just had that passion and that burning desire to reach your students, 
you know, and to do the research to figure out how to do this, you know, what are the things that I'm seeing that the students need and how can I help them do that? What do I need to learn in order to help them do that? And that was the, the genesis of all of your wonderful tools for action and the resources, the resources that you have for your students because you saw that need from you. And I think that's the, the best way to come at it because again, when you see, because you're, you're looking at the students as again, little people who need support. Yes. And if we all look at the students that way, you know, we would see the, the, the best in all of them, that all of, our, all of our students are someone's children, someone's children for whom they want the best and want to support. We want the best and want to support. And what are the tools and resources that we can use to help them do that, to help them thrive, to help them eventually become, you know, successful and thriving adults. And, and that I think is the most important takeaway and that the, the listeners and or viewers would be able to understand that this is what we want for kids. We want our kids to be successful. And what are the tools that will help them to be successful? When we're building a house, we know, or, or anything for that matter, we know that we need to have the tools we need different tools for different times and for different parts of whatever you know needs to be built or assembled. And right now, right now, especially at this time and place in the world that we are in right now, the tools that we need are social emotional learning tools that also include the tools of self-regulation and self-awareness, uh, self responsible decision-making and, and all of the other self-management and self-development tools that the students would need in order to be successful and thrive. What did I tell you at the beginning of this podcast? We have a motivational and ins inspirational guest here today. And Nicolette, can you tell us, please, where can our listeners and viewers find your resources? They can find them at npowered, n for Nicolette, powerededucation.com. And, uh, and if they go to the website, they will see the products listed there and they can just contact me if to, mainly to buy them, to purchase them in, in bulk orders because it's for schools, for teachers and for students, but also to contact me if you would like to purchase one or two or individual prices as well. Right, and remember that Dr. James has a whole program with professional development and training. So this is just a little piece of what she does and what she has. But I hope that you really see the essence of really what today's podcast was about and how Dr. James is bringing us there for our children, our children of today who need us more than ever. So thank you very, very much for joining us today. Everyone, please remember to like, share, and subscribe because we need to get this information out there for the people who need it the most because our kids matter and what we do as adults really matter. That's why we say building the skills from the inside out to let the outside in. We hope you make it a great day. Not bad. Okay. Thank you. See you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com 
Amazon, and TeachesPayTeachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.